you might find this surprising about me. But from time to time, I like to stir the pot a little bit. It's rare. I intentionally will throw something out there just to get everybody riled up. And I just go in the kitchen, pop some popcorn, and hit refresh as the world loses their mind. It's fun. I don't respond. I just watch everyone go crazy in the comment section. But then every once in a while, I'll do something, and believe it or not, I have no intentions of stirring it up. And yet it gets stirred up. I had no idea when we decided to do a series called No Need to Pray that people would be so offended by the title of this series. I follow this Facebook group, and I follow it. I'm not going to give you their name, but I follow it just because they make me laugh. I I picture these guys sitting in mom's basement, box of tissue paper right by the computer, and when they're not watching Pornhub, I mean, that's what I've heard it's called, Pornhub. They're trying to find the apostate teaching in the church. And so they're always posting these clips of preachers and pastors. And it's funny because they're always like nine or ten second clips. And so I'm like, yeah, based on that nine or ten second clip, I get what they're saying. But I wonder what the context of the statement was. And I've been following this page for probably ten years. And I'm scrolling through Facebook this week and I see that graphic. I'm like, oh, that's our graphic. What's I haven't posted anything about that. I wonder who posted it. I thought one of you guys had kind of shared the subject. And I realized it was this Facebook group. This is the problem with everything in the church. Look what this teaching series is called at this church in Canton, Ohio. People see Canton, they automatically think we're in Ohio. They don't understand the power of prayer and why you ought to pray it. Of course, immediately I knew that they did nothing in regards to listening to the sermon. They did what so many of us do, and they just jumped to conclusions based on a catchy series title. And I laughed it off. And then all of a sudden, I got a ding in our inbox on the Action Church page. And then another ding, and another ding. And all these people locally... I can't believe you've done some crazy things, but man, I can't believe you would minimize the power of prayer. And I thought, man, it's so amazing to me how we jump to conclusions. (laughs) I made this statement last week, and apparently this offended a lot of people. There's simply some things you don't need to pray about. You just need to do. If God has already told you to do it, to pray about it is simply looking for a reason not to begin the implementation. So let me repeat what I said last week. There's some things you simply don't need to pray about, you just need to do. 
God's already told us to do things. This book is a book of commands. It is not a book of suggestions. You want to live life to the max, live life to the potential, live a life of purpose. You follow the guidelines in this book. I tell people all the time, I don't care if you're an atheist and don't even believe there's a God, the principles in this book will raise your quality of life. It's just as relevant today as the day it was written. It's got the answer to any question that you might be asking. It's an amazing book, yet so many of us use the excuse. It's funny because we really, if we were to be honest, the average person very rarely prays anyway. Well, unless someone in their family gets sick. They can't pay their bills. They lose their job. Something happens to their children. Or it's Sunday morning and they've been out all night Saturday and they're hugging the porcelain God and praying to him the most fervent prayers ever. God, I promise to never do this again. But yet when it comes to living out our faith, instead of doing, we say, man, I'm just praying about it. Though God's already told us to do it. And the reality is, I said this last week, when God tells us to do something and we don't do it, that very simply is sin. That's a harsh statement. Well, I didn't write the book. The Bible says in James 4, 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So if you know to do good, you don't do good, it's sin. People all the time, what's the definition of sin? It's very simply this, to know to do good and do it not. It's sin. Last week we talked about sharing your story. Sharing our faith. And we said it's so funny. People are like, Man, I'm praying about it. They'll talk about everything and anything around the water cooler on Monday morning. But we're not going to talk about religion. We talked last week how we don't need to talk about religion. We need to talk about a relationship. How God's radically changed your life. And we don't shove it down someone's throat. We don't beat them over the head with it. We simply share the amazing story that we have. Everyone has a story. Someone up came to me last week and they said, man, I don't know that I have a story. And I said, how old are you? I'm 53. I said, well, you have a story. No, I kind of grew up in church and lived and I never got involved in this. And I said, that's a story. What an awesome story you have, that you stayed on the straight and narrow and you've lived the principles to the best of your ability and look how God has blessed your life. And we talked about sharing your story. Everyone has a story. This week I want to talk about the subject of gifting. It's not a subject we've talked about much around here. I know what you're saying, you're saying gifting and I'm saying yes, gifting. Did you know that God created you? Uniquely. There's not one person here that is like anybody else in the world. You're unique. God shaped you. Your experiences make you different. Your DNA makes you different. And this amazing thing called gifting makes you different. Everybody here has a gift or gifts that was given to them by God. A gift means it was given to you, though you didn't ask for it. 
You didn't deserve it. You didn't buy it. You didn't work for it. When you were in your mother's womb, God shaped you and he formed you and he gifted you in a unique way. The problem is so few of us use those giftings in the proper way. There's no one like you. For some of you, that's a good thing. The Bible says in Psalms, I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. I I want you to think about that for a minute. The God of the universe, the God who looked in Genesis 1 into the vastness of nothing and spoke everything into existence, A God who looked at nothing and created all things. He created the land and the water and the sea and the animals and the fish and the trees and the plants. And and what a creative and spectacular God we serve. That same God shaped you and formed you and created you and put inside of you this amazing thing called a gifting to change the world. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mess-ups. God doesn't make do-overs. You might not understand all that you've been through, but God said, I was shaping you, and I was forming you. And I was creating you to carry out the mission that I created you for. You're saying, Gary, you don't know. I don't need to know. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you're doing now. I don't care what you're going to do in the future. The reality is God created you for greatness. God created you to be a winner. God created you to be a champion. That doesn't mean life isn't going to get hard. It doesn't mean you're not going to screw up. It doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean you're not going to blow it. It doesn't mean you're not going to let people down. But inside of you is a gifting that God has for you. Not only did he create you, But he created you with a distinct purpose. Everybody here has a purpose. Every purpose here is different. That's why we become the body. Some are the fingers and some are the hands and some are the arms. Some are the legs and some are the mouthpiece and some are the eyes. Some are the brains. Never been able to be that part. Some are the heart. Even some are the ass. You got to have an ass to have a body. I won't mention any names. I feel like we got a little overdose of that part of the church. We're like a big booty family of God. A lot of ass here at the church. Create you for a distinct purpose. Jeremiah 1.5, I love this. This 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 is God talking to the prophet Jeremiah. Look what he said. He said, before I formed you in the womb, before you were ever created... Before mommy and daddy went parking at Lover's Peak, jumped in the back seat of the 57 Chevy. As Elvis played on the radio. Before you were formed, he said, I knew you. Think about that. God said, I knew you when your parents didn't know you. He said, I knew you, and before you were born, I set 
You will pour, I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. He's talking to Jeremiah. So he's talking about the gifting that he gave Jeremiah. God's not a respecter of persons. Before he knew you, before you were born, you were set apart. He appointed you as a, I don't know what it was, a gifting. Not everyone's called to be a prophet. But he set you apart and he appointed you with a purpose in your mind. So, so far we've realized that God makes us unique. How does he make us unique? Through our gifting. God has a unique plan for us. How? Through our gifting. But the problem becomes we have this gifting and it lays dormant. We have this gifting and we don't acknowledge that that's what it is. It's that gifting. We call it skills. Resume builders. Talents. And God says, no, it's a gifting for the cause of Christ. And we'll get into that a little bit. But God tells us what we're to do with that gifting. He said, therefore, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God. I want you to stir up the gift of God. Which is in you through the laying of hands. And so what he's saying there, he's not talking about the physical laying of hands, how the gifts. He's saying just a confirmation. Other people will confirm your gifting. We're to stir it up. I like to fancy myself as a chef. I can't ever do anything simple. Like I really got into smoking meats and doing barbecue for a while, and that led to doing barbecue festivals that I do and attending them, and then I put them on, and that's what I do for a living. And Man, I've learned a lot over the years about how to make great barbecue. And, and, and when you make great barbecue, people will argue with you all day long and say it's about the meat, the meat's the meat. It's about the smoke. Well, the smoke's the smoke, yeah. Set it to a temperature and you let it cook. I get all my barbecue vendors mad at my festivals. But I say, for the most part, you could all lay your pork butts out. And they all say, no, you can't. And yeah, you can't. And not tell me who's who's, and I can try them. For the most part, they're going to taste the same. The only thing different from this pulled pork to this pulled pork to this pulled pork to this pulled pork, they'll even tell you, it matters the wood. It doesn't. It does. It, it, a twinge, you might taste the wood. The difference in the wood, excuse me. But I guarantee you ain't tasting the difference between apple wood and cherry wood and hickory wood. Now, a real barbecue guy's going to get If Tony was here right now, he'd be getting prideful. But he'd be wrong. Barbecue's barbecue. People always say, hey, is this barbecue? What, what, what vendor's the best? I'm like, Barbecue. And at the end of the day, in our society, it doesn't matter. We're going to douse it with sauce anyway. But the one thing that makes this barbecue different from this barbecue to this barbecue to this barbecue is the rub. It's what you put on the outside of the meat that allows this barbecue to be distinctly different than this barbecue. And barbecue rub is an interesting thing because a barbecue rub is not just one spice. It's several spices. Some use salt and pepper. 
Some use salt, pepper, and garlic. Some use salt, pepper, and cumin, and paprika, and a little bit of red uh, flakes, you know, pepper flakes in there. Most barbecue rubs, because they want that glaze, they throw a little bit of brown sugar in there. But everyone's got their special ingredient that goes on the barbecue rub. But here's the deal with all those ingredients. Nobody says, man, I use a salt and pepper garlic rub and throw salt on it. Then throw pepper on it. And then throw garlic on it. They get a big bowl out. And they throw spice A in there. And then they throw spice B in there. And then they throw spice C, D, E, F, and then these some crazy people got 27 different spices in there that nobody can taste the difference in, but it makes them feel special and makes them feel like they have bigger testicles than other people because they know some secret code. And they throw it all in a big bowl. And you know what they do with it? They stir it together. And they stir it up. And all those 27 different spices essentially become one spice. No matter how hard you tried, if I mixed them all together and poured it out on the table and looked at you and said, now separate all the spices, you couldn't do it. So you've got to stir it good. And that's what God's saying to do here. He's saying, hey, I gave this person the gift of working with kids. And I gave this person the gift of singing. And I gave this person the gift of working at a door. And I gave this person the gift of evangelism. And I gave this person the gift of giving. And I gave this person the gift of prophecy. And he says, but here's the deal. Those gifts on their own, while powerful, when all thrown together and stirred up, they become unstoppable. They become one gifting That changes everything. God says you have a gift. And yet you've taken that gift. And you've let it stay dormant. They say when you stir up the gifts. It opens up the seasonings. I don't understand the science of that. I'm just an old redneck from Decula, Georgia. But I guess as the airflow gets in there and the little granules begin to open up and the taste explodes from those, you stir it up. That's why even after you've mixed your rub together and you put it on the shelf, if you come back two weeks later to use again, the first thing you do is you pour it out into a bowl and you re-stir it up. You freshen it up. And God says, I've given you this gifting and I need to remind you Whose idea was it to wear a sweater today? Holy smokes, it's hot in here. He said, listen, I want you to stir up the gift. He says, because here's the reality. We don't have church together on Sunday to sing Kumbaya and feel better about ourselves. We come together on Sundays because God has brought this group of people together for a mission to make it hard to get to hell from Cherokee County. But it takes everyone using their gifts to make that happen. This isn't the Gary Lamb show. I have the easiest job here. I show up on Sunday and I yell for 45 minutes. It's easy. 
I can be removed from here and anybody else can be put in my place. They might not be as sexy as I am. They might not be as good looking as I am. They might not be as an amazing husband as I am and an amazing father that I am. Some of you were witnessing to my amazing fatherhood skills out there today. All I'm going to say is my daughter brought her boyfriend to church today. And so I acted like a good father and said hello to him. I'm easy to replace. So many other giftings that you don't see stir together, make this church what it is. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm going to be real blunt with you. And I'm going to offend some of you today. And that's okay if you get offended. That's okay. You say you're never coming back. That's okay. At least you heard the truth. This church in 10 years, we've been going 10 years this last December. has never come close to reaching the potential that it has. It's not about, if you tell you ought to market the church. We're, we're, we're not turning this church into a business. We're not marketing it. I'm not saying churches that do that are wrong. I'm saying you, we're not doing it. Everything that happens here is going to be organic growth. God sent growth. But I'm going to tell you, it hasn't come close to reaching its potential. Because 90% of the people who attend this church every Sunday morning don't use their gifting to help this church reach its potential. You come in, you sit on your blessed assurance, and you're like leeches. And that's okay. You're welcome. Leeches are welcome here too. You suck it all in. You think miraculously this building cleans itself every week. And you think miraculously people take their time to teach your kids every week. And you think miraculously this band shows up every week without having heard any of the songs or practicing all week long, and miraculously they just know. And you think those people at those doors just show up and say, man, I guess I'll greet you. And that coffee just magically brews itself. And you come in and you're a leech. And when I preach on it, you decide the answer is we're going to pray about it. And you've been praying about it, some of you, for 10 years. Some of you for five years. Some of you for two years. Some of you for three to four months. I don't know how long it is, but the reality is you don't have to pray about it. God tells you to stir up the gift and use what God's given you. We're gifted. The talent in this room is amazing. You're going to laugh at what I'm about to say because some of you, uh, our mindset doesn't understand the power of social media. But did you know locally, I'm not saying nationally, I'm saying locally on a Cherokee County level. What's the biggest church in our town? What, probably Woodstock City Church. Probably Woodstock City Church or First Baptist Woodstock. 
probably the biggest churches in our county. First Baptist Woodstock has Sunday school classes bigger than this church. Yet in a church this size, did you know some of the biggest social media influencers in our county go to this church? They have the biggest reach. I hate to use this word, but the biggest following and the biggest network. The talent in this church, the musical talent in this church. I had a pastor call me the other day. His church runs about five or 600 people. And he asked me a question. He said, hi, what do you do about your band? I said, what do you mean? He goes, man, we're always looking for musicians. I said, I don't, I don't do anything. He said, what's your worship pastor? I said, comes up with the songs every week. He said, where do you find musicians? And I said, man, we have went through some musicians. And I said, but every time one leaves, God brings another one in. I don't, I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't understand it. But I'm telling you, the talent in this room could literally change our county. Jesus changed the world with 11, because one of them betrayed him, 11 people. And you mean to tell me a group like this can't change our community? Because here's the problem. 74% of our community doesn't attend church. That was pre-COVID, doesn't attend church on a Sunday morning. And their problem is not Jesus. Their problem is the church and those who attend the church. They have looked at the local churches and they have found them lacking and wanting. They don't feel accepted there. They don't feel loved there. They don't feel like that church is relevant to them. And I'll say this because here's the deal. I've been there. I, I, I pastored one of the biggest, I started one of the biggest churches here. So I've been in that role. The large majority of people that are going to those churches, it's not because the church is bad, it's not because there's anything wrong with the church, it's not because the church doesn't love Jesus, but they're going there because it's easy to get lost in the crowd. Nobody notices if they're not there. I don't have to use my gifting, but the funny thing is those churches are having the same problems we're having, 90% of the people, excuse me, 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. Just another zero there. They have the same struggles every church has. But here's the deal. Let me make this clear. I don't pastor those other churches. I'm not responsible for those other churches. I don't give a rip. I saw one of the local pastors this week made a tweet on something. Everyone was bashing. Everybody's messaging me. What do you think about this? It's none of my business. That's what I think about it. Someone said, a bunch of pastors ought to get together and have an intervention with them. I'm like, okay. I said, y'all have fun with that. He can lead that church as God has called him to lead. And if he's wrong in how he's leading, he'll answer to God for that. I don't answer for that. But the Bible says this about pastoring. It says, I will give an account for what happens here. That's a huge responsibility. And I think in the area that we have lacked, I think we are a loving church. And I don't say I know every church thinks they're loving. I think we're a loving church. I think we're an accepting church. 
I think we're an open-minded church. Good Lord. How could you be any more open-minded than this group of people? As a church, not necessarily individual. Let's not be, let's not like Kylie's open-minded. I think we have created the church for those who don't do church, and I'm proud of all of that. But an area that we have dropped the ball in 10 years is stepping up and using our gifting. The gifting's there. The gifting's deep inside of you. The NIV version of the Bible says, therefore I remind you to flame up the gift of God. Almost like if you've ever started a, a campfire, you've ever started a fire and the flame starts to go out and you've got to give it a little bit of oxygen. You've got to give it a little bit of life and the flame flares back up. That's what happens with our gifting when we don't use it. Did you know that if you don't use those spices, they eventually go stale? But did you know a little secret to stale spices? Sprinkle a little water on them and stir them up. And it revives the flavor. It brings them back to life. And here's the reality. Some of you have been sitting on your gifting. And it's time to stir it up. The word stir, it means to agitate. To disturb. To disrupt. It's a disrupting movement. It means to make a shift. Like I said, it also means here, the stir means to keep blazing, keep that flame of the fire burning. It can mean to rekindle, to restir. As something is going stale, we stir it up. How many of you ever ate leftovers? I'm not a big leftover eater. I don't like leftovers. I had it last night, I don't want it the next day. I told Christine when we I said, listen, I'm not picky about much. I don't I don't want leftovers. What about the extra food? Don't, don't make as much. It won't be left over. But I tell you, there are some things I love. I love leftover spaghetti. Leftover pasta in general. But pasta will also dry out. And you know what you got to do when you, you pull that container out and it's all congealed together? You got to stir it up. You start to stir it up, it comes back to life. You pull that, it's all nasty looking. Sprinkle a little water on it. Stir it up. My moose throws some cheese on it no matter what it is. Cheese covers it all. Put it in that microwave. Pull it back out after a minute. Stir it up a little bit more because you don't want it to burn on the edges. You stir it up. And sometimes spaghetti the second day is better than spaghetti the first day because it's been stirred back up. It's been brought back to life. I'm telling you today, some of you, need to stir up your gifting. God didn't leave you on this earth to go through the motions. He shaped you, he molded you, he created you to advance the gospel. I saw someone the other day post, they wanted to argue on one of my posts. They said, God's left us here to worship him. I I believe we're supposed to worship God and make that clear. But I do not believe that's why we were left here. Because if all we were supposed to do was worship him, wouldn't it make more sense to go ahead and kill us when we get into a relationship with him, get us in heaven where we can worship him 24-7? We're left here for one reason and one reason only. The same mission that Jesus had to seek and to save that which was lost. We're to further the message of Jesus Christ. 
I love it in one of the Gospels, I can't remember which one, and it says they forcefully advance the gospel. We're to be bold in our witness. I didn't say be arrogant in our witness. I didn't say be smothering in our witness. And I think that's what the church is. It either has no witness or it's become smothering in its witness. But we're to live life to a way that people look at us and they say, man, what is different about them? They go through the same things I go through, but they just handle a little bit different. When they walk in the doors of this place, the gifting ought to be happening. We're selfish. Gary Lamb, the king of being selfish. So I can say, you're selfish because I'm including myself in it. And we want to sit in a seat and we want to be a sponge and we want to soak up everything. And then we want to get down the road and say, man, I was no longer getting fed at that place. No, you weren't getting, you were getting too fed. You got fat on the Bible. Everybody watch my 600-pound life? It's an amazing show. It's amazing. Their problems, they're not getting, not that they're not getting fed. I was watching a clip the other day, and the guy ordered five large pizzas and ate every one of them. Then he said something, because I'm just, it's hard to get my mind right. I don't have the energy. I'm tired all the time because you overfed yourself. That's what we've done on the Bible. We've overfed ourselves. Someone told me the other day, I just, I'd like to see you go deeper. You know my answer? I've told you that before. You can't handle the shallow. So why would we go deeper? What, What do you mean? What I mean is, You can't handle the love God, love people part. That's Bible 101. Yet you want to go deeper? You start loving God with everything that is in you, and you start loving people, even if they don't believe like you, look like you, act like you, love the same people you love, or have the same social standing you have, or the same color of skin that you have, and you accomplish those two things, and we'll talk about going deeper. We're not at a point going deeper. When Luke was learning to swim, we didn't take him to the 10-foot section. We took him to the 3-foot section. Now, here's the, he couldn't reach at the 3-foot section. So to him, it was the same. But I could protect him easier in the 3-foot section where I could stand up than I could the 10-foot section. As he got better, we moved him to the deep end. You want to go deeper? Then let's get the first two things done. Love God, love people. And guess how you love God, love people? One of the ways is you take the gifting that God has given you and you use it. I don't understand this gifting, Gary. Let's get to the point about some gifting. First thing I need you to realize is we need to realize we have a gift. You are gifted. My wife got mad last week at me, as she's prone to do after I preach. 
because I called my dog. Well, if I say it again, she's going to get mad at me again. I use the R word. Say, what's the R? I said he was retarded. Apparently, you can't say that word nowadays. I actually got an end message from someone who watched online, and they were so offended. Wham. I watched my dog literally run to a glass door last night. He's retarded. Okay? But I used that word last week, so I want to go the opposite of that word this week. While my dog is retarded, you're so gifted. God doesn't make junk. You're amazing. I don't care what you've been through, where you're at now. I, I, I don't care what everyone else thinks about you. You are amazing. You're unique in your own way because of the gifting that God has put in you. I'm about to overload you. On this, look what the Bible says in Romans 2. It says, we have different gifts. Your gifts are different than mine. According to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Prophesying, that's the gift. of You know how someone who just has that ability to speak truth to you? They had that ability to come and say, man, you good? They don't even know you that way. And you're like, no, I'm not, well, no. Man, I, I could tell. And they begin to speak into you. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it isn't to encourage, check that. If it is to encourage, encouragement is a gift. Christine, we don't all have the same gifts. Get off my butt about this. I don't have the gift of encouragement. It's low down there. See, it's biblical. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What God's saying here in Romans 12, go back to that first, verse 6, Xander. He said we have different gifts. But whatever gift you have, use it to the max. You don't want me serving in the kids' area. It's not my gifting. Though I will say this week, Friday, I taught at Liberty Elementary School to a bunch of first graders. And it was awesome. I had them kids so wound up, so fired up. I was screaming at them, hollering at them. We talked about drinking beer and creepers. And one of them asked me a question about homeless men and women taking showers together. It was crazy. Kids, what comes out of their mouth? Principal sat there in horror. I was like, I'm just going with it. It's funny. First time I ever got hired at church, I got hired at the church as the youth pastor. I was 20, about 20 years old, about to turn 21. I was the youth pastor for three weeks. After three weeks, they came to me and said, listen, man, we love you being on staff, and you bring a lot to the table. You are not called to work with youth. I said, I know. They moved me into another area, and I, 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 it was great. But we have different gifts. Look what it says. It doesn't say we have gifts that one's more important than the other. And that's the problem sometimes. We think the people up on stage, this is the irreplaceable thing. I love Phil May. Could you imagine anybody being the minister of rock here besides Phil May? I couldn't either. It's phenomenal. I've always said when Phil has enough, I'm done. We'll close it down. 
And I don't, I'm not, I don't want to find someone else. There's a lot of great worship pastors out there, but they're not great worship pastors for my preaching and action church. But as much as I love Phil, there's days Phil isn't here and Ashton leads worship. I've never heard anybody complain when Ashton's singing. And then there's been days that Phil's not here and Ashton's not here and we bring in Terry Chisholm. And I've never heard anybody complain when Terry leads worship. Well, that's wrong. I've heard a couple of people from a traditional church that brought Terry in complain. That joker could sing the phone book. And then now Tammy screwed up and let Phil know she can sing. So now we have that. And we've even let party lead worship. And nobody but me complained. So what I'm saying is, as much as I love Phil, we all have gifting. And God puts people in place to be used. And we've got to take that gifting and use it. I don't know what your gifting is today, but guess what? You do. First Peter says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I don't understand the Bible. It's really complicated. Let me break this down for you. Each of you, me, should use whatever gift. Whatever gift it is you have, the gift of charisma, the gift of love, the gift of compassion, the gift of... Whatever gift it is, you should use it to serve others. That's why you have a gifting. It's not to make you an influencer. It's not to make you money. It's not to make your name known wherever. All those things sometimes happen because of our gifting. But the purpose of the gift is to serve others. And yet so many of us aren't serving others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, God's grace, unmerited favor, gave you a gifting to be used And if we're going to be faithful stewards of that gifting, we use it serving others. So you need to to realize you have a gift. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm just going to overload because I want you to realize you've got a gift. There's different kinds of gifts. But the same spirit distributes. There's all kinds of different gifts, but guess who gives them out? God. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Some have the gift, again, of leading worship. Some have, you know, one of the greatest gifts in the local church that's so often overlooked, even by the people who do it, is the greeters at that front door. Did you know they say a first-time attender makes up their mind in three and a half minutes of attending a church the first time whether or not they're ever coming back? Three and a half minutes. They haven't got to hear my phenomenal preaching at three and a half minutes. They haven't got to experience the high-tech trashiness of this building at three and a half minutes. They haven't got to hear the first chord from the guitar at three and a half minutes. They haven't got to do anything but experience whether someone has been friendly to them as they're uncomfortable walking in. Some of you have been attending a church for so long, this church for so long, 
that you forget how uncomfortable it is to walk into a church the first time. Now, you take the average church where even though you haven't been in 20 or 30 years, a more traditional church, you at least know what to expect. You know, it's going to be, we talked about it last week, the screaming preacher and the quartet, you know what to expect. Imagine you come to the ghetto of Canton. You pull in this nappy parking lot that's covered in trash. No telling what happened at the, the, the Spanish bar last night. There might be used condoms in the parking lot, blood. We've showed up and there's been blood on the sidewalk where someone's got their head jacked up. Man, we have had, we've showed up and had rocks through the windows of the church on more than one occasion. We have walked up on more than one occasion and had to wake up a drunk homeless person and say, hey, man, I know you're tired, man. Can we move down there and sleep and at least get out of the front door? You pull up here. Then you pull up in here. You don't know where to go because we're too cheap to move the sign that we moved down to this side six years ago. It's a thousand bucks. We ain't moving it. I ain't doing it. You got to have a permit with the city. I, we'd have had it moved if some rednecks could have done it. I had Doug Knight out there and Darren doing it with some scaffolding. But we can't do it that way. So it just stays out there. So they don't even know where to go when they pull in. And then you got to walk through 40 smokers who I love you but don't understand, get out of the front door because everybody doesn't want to smell like smoke. Then you walk it, and the best part is if the doors are shut, everybody's first instinct is you pull the doors when they slide. So then they think they broke the doors. Then you've got a blind man as the greeter at the door. Blind Bob is the greeter. He can't even see you, so he's got to hear you. I told Bob one time, I think I shared this story. I said, Bob, you got a good, he's my wife. I said, you got a good-looking woman standing next to you. He said, yeah, I know. i got 20-20 vision in my hands. I said, dang, Bob. Then you walk in. And I mean, I love you, but look at us. It's obvious we don't look like we got it together. This is an intimidating church to walk into. Which means we better take the greeting part to a whole nother level. Man, you walk in today, Christine's chewing me out in the lobby because she don't know how to wait till later to do it, even though she's wrong and I was right. And I finally, after the 11th person, found somebody who agreed with me. Don't ever bring Chuck Rogers in if it has anything to do with being mean because he'll be like, I, I, I would have, I should have known better. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There's different kinds of working. But in all of them and everyone, it's the same God at work. You know the second most important job here at the church? Check in in the kids' area. Imagine you're about to take your child and drop them off behind a wall that you're not allowed to go behind. That'd be intimidating the first time. Someone there making them feel at peace. At ease. Every job here is important. But you're not using your gifting to make it happen. Imagine if we were using our gifting, we stopped praying about it and started doing it. I just don't know what I bring to the table. Ask somebody. 
hey, man, what are you good at? What do you think my skills are? They're going to tell you. Some of you, you know one of the greatest spiritual gifts ever? Because I don't have this spiritual gift. It's obvious Kristen Wilhite doesn't have this spiritual gift either. It's the gift of just giving someone a hug. I don't have the ability to do it. She don't have the ability to do it without spilling coffee on you. But there's just power in hugging somebody. I can't tell you how many people I sit back. I'm an observant person. And I watch and I watch them get a hug. And it's probably the only hug they got all week. It's amazing. Just small little things. But it's gifting. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, have I given you enough verses to prove the point that uh, we need to realize we have a gift? You can't argue with me. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Your gifting is given for the common good. Not our individual good, the common good. Someone told me the day, this morning, a lot of new people here lately. I said, yeah. They said, man, I didn't know how it was going to go back this few months ago when people started leaving. I said, why? Why? You know, I said, you ain't been around here long. People come and go all the time. I said, but here's what you'll find. Every time people leave, more people come in. Bible talks a lot about, you got any gardeners out there? Where's Tom Hunt? Tom's old. He likes to garden. He's got his little land out there. Oh, you don't? I thought you were posting the day about gardening. Oh, well, I must have been drunk. Or may I assume because you're old. That's what old people retired do. I don't know. But the thing about gardening is the way you make something healthy is you've got to prune it back. Me and Christine were driving down Main Street, and she said, what have they done to all these trees? They've chopped them all off at the beginning of fall. I said, wait till spring. You can already see they're all coming back. Well, you got to prune some things. Sometimes God comes along in the local church, and he has to prune some things out. And that's hard for some of you because you loved them so much. And they were your friend. Why aren't they still your friend? We didn't say they couldn't be your friend because they don't go to church here anymore. I thank God every day. I thank God every day watching online as you talk crap that you're gone. Every day. And not just you, but the whole group of you. Is he talking about me? You don't know, so I probably am. Because God prunes away to bring back things healthy that use their gifting for the common good. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. I remember my arrogance. You'll like this, Lou. I remember my arrogance at my last church. I was arrogant. You think I'm arrogant now? Ooh, I was arrogant, Randy. I used to say, this church will never survive. I ain't the pastor. That church runs four times the amount of people it did. When I said, I always said, the best thing that happened to that church was they got rid of me. They run four times the amount of people. They had to prune me out. You know why? Because I was unhealthy. You bring health in and things begin to grow. Healthy things grow. But they're our friend, and we want them to hang around forever. Now, sometimes God prunes. Each, the manifestation of the Spirit's given for the common good. 
Man. Change only as strong as its weakest link. Sometimes the weak link's got to go. And that hurts feelings. Some of you, some of you won't be back today because of that statement. I heard you. Bye. As you can tell, we're going to probably need your seat anyway soon. You in a bad mood? No, I'm in a great mood. I'm in a great mood. I'm just telling you, my job's not to coddle you. My job is to exhort you to be the best you can be. And God is giving you this amazing thing called gifting to be using your living life less than you can be because you're not using it. We need to realize it. Second thing, we have to not be afraid of using our gifts. So many people are afraid of using their gifts. They don't realize they have them. They're like, oh, I, I don't know that I have the talent to do it. I don't know I have the skill to do it. God's not looking for the most qualified. He's looking for the most available. Therefore, I remind you, St. Timothy, to stir up the gift, which is in you through the laying on my hands. Look at the very next verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You don't think it's coincidence? That's the next verse. Stir up the gift. He knew what you were going to say. I'm afraid to. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. He's given you power, love, and of a sound mind. His power will go through you to use that gift. And guess what? In your gifting, you might mess up every now and then. It's okay. Only one guy was perfect, and you ain't him. He's given us power. He's given us love. When you're operating in your gifting because you love people, it's game-changing. When you're loving people and you're using your gifting not to get something out of it, Man, someone came up to me last time, the day after we did our last food thing. They said, did you hear about last night? I said, I didn't. They said, man, we didn't serve many people food. I said, how many did you serve? They gave me the number. I said, I bet those people sure are glad you served them food. We don't do it for the numbers. We don't do it to get attention. So many people, my pet peeve, man, is watching people on social media go help the homeless or go help, and they're filming the whole thing. I'm showing those people some dignity. Just love them. Just serve. Man, I, I, I'm a promoter. That's what I do for a living. I promote things. And some of y'all get it mixed up. You're like, but you promote everything for the church. Do you not care about this? No, no. I care so much about this church that I refuse to promote it. We don't do good around here to get attention. We don't do good for everyone to pat us on our back. We don't do good to one of and say, look at what we're doing. We do good because we see a need and we meet a need. And we see a need and we meet a need because people are using their gifting and because we love people. He's given us power to use our gifting. And when we do it out of love, we have a sound mind and the motives why we're doing it. It's not complicated. Stir up the gift. 
I'm afraid. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear. So if you're afraid, that's not of God. It's the enemy. It's the enemy telling you you're not good enough. The enemy remind you, hey, you, you want to go work with teenagers? You must have forgot. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, you, you want to get up and lead people in worship? Don't you remember the time you... Oh, you, you want to pastor a church? Don't you remember? No, that's the enemy. That's fear. It's given us power, love, and a sound mind. We don't operate in fear. We operate in encouragement. We come alongside people and we show them how to do it. We learn together and we impact people. So we're going to realize we have a gift. We're not going to be afraid of using our gift. Last time I'm done, I told someone I was going to be done in 12 minutes today. I lied. Imagine that. We have to remember that our gifting furthers the gospel. That's why we exist. That is everything that we do is to further the gospel. It's to make Jesus famous. He said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. It's not our job to do anything but to lift Jesus up, then he draws people to him. We lift him up by using our gifting. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony, 2 Timothy. Stir it up. Don't be afraid. This very next verse. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, and share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who was saved to us and called us with a holy calling. According to our, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace which was given to us. So he says, hey, right here, lays it out. You have a gift, stir it up. Don't be afraid to use the gift. And remember the reason you had that gift, it furthers the gospel. Together we're better. We don't do membership around here. Never have, never will. It's just paperwork for me to have to keep up with. I, can't keep, I, I couldn't even find the lease to our building the other day. I, I can't keep up with paperwork. I don't, I don't care about it. But we do partnership. Say, so what's the difference? Huge difference. See, when you become a member somewhere, you expect benefits of being a member. I become a member at the golf course, man. I, I get to go play golf. I become a member at Costco. Guess what I get to do? I get to go buy that big pack of rotisserie chicken they pull. Cheap. You don't get to do that if you're not a member. It's the benefit of being a member, classy membership. Because I'm a member at Costco, I can go buy three things of ketchup at one time. It's awesome. You can do that at Walmart, but you've got to buy them individually. I buy them when they're all packaged together because I'm a member. I get benefits. Membership, you expect something out of it. We do partnership means we're a team. You do what we can't do. Impact your network. Everybody here has their own network of people. People that I'll never come in contact with, people that this person will never come in contact with, people this person. You, you, you impact your network with your gifting. You'll get them to church. And as a team... We will do what you individually can't do. We'll make sure that we change their perception of church. And in the process of changing their perception of church, 
We're going to change their heart towards Jesus. Partnership. Partner means everyone's equal. We're equal. We're all volunteers here. I'm just telling you, this church hasn't seen its potential. And that ought to scare you because here's the deal. Not operating at potential is making a pretty big impact. With 10% of the people doing all the work around here, there's been a lot of lives changed here. Been over 1,000 people baptized in 10 years. Numerous marriages restored. Numerous addicts clean. Numerous people coming to a relationship with Christ. Friendships that will last a lifetime because of this place. Imagine what it could be if we all used our gifting. We couldn't stop this place. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor. This is what the unbelieving world is looking for. A group of messed up people who own their messiness and just come together and make it about Jesus. They're not looking for programs. They're not looking for Sunday school classes. They're not lo- well, we're not going to create a little Christian ghetto around here. Come here to our Christian karate class. And come to our Christian egg hunt. And come here to what? It- no. We're going to gather on Sundays and celebrate what God's done. And then we're going to go use our gifting in the community. It's that simple. And if it becomes more complicated than that, find another pastor. I don't want to do it. I just didn't, it sounds horrible to me. I kind of believe this looks a lot like the Bible in the New Testament. Ragtag group of people, fishermen, zealots, tax collectors. People wanted by the law who said, man, Jesus is real. And we're going to tell everyone. They literally started a movement. But I can't do it on my own. And the people who are doing stuff around here, Sandra can't do it on her own, Yvonne can't do it on her own. I mean, I hate starting names name because then people get offended I don't name their name. If you do what you do, you know who you are. Time for some of you to use your gifting. Or don't. Continue to come every week and be blessed. Just know that we're going to keep moving forward with or without you. Because we have a mission from God. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. We're not going to let this church die for lack of vision. It's just not going to happen. You have a gifting. There's no need to pray about it. Use it. And if you can't use it here, my encouragement to you is to go find you a church where you can use it. Because you're living life less than what you were created for. 